0: In your house. In your house. In your house. Hey, Hey, it's Conrad Thompson and you're listening to Foley is pod. And of course we couldn't do it without the hall of famer, the hardcore legend himself, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mick Foley, Mick, how are you, man? I'm doing great. I have a question to bat around for you guys. <clears throat> If I don't
1: wear the glasses, I look all fuzzy on the screen. If I wear the glasses, I can see myself clearly. The question is, do I need to be able to see myself clearly to do a good podcast? I don't think so. Okay. There we go.
0: Ta-da. There we go. Uh, today is a special day. Of course, we're getting together right around the holidays. We hope everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving yesterday. And man, are we just in time for some great news for you. we got a great topic for you today, but before we get started, there's a couple of excellent stocking stuffers for the wrestling fan in your life, including one heck of a promotion, the ultimate Mr. Socko pro wrestling Tees has a sale coming around. It will arrive just in time for Christmas. And it is a Mr. Socko autograph by Mick Foley. Mick, you guys are doing a pretty cool deal here. No coupons necessary. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, well, this is, uh, I think, uh, the seventh or eighth year we've done the SACO sale. Uh, first couple were for great charitable causes. I'll be honest, this one's a cash grab. Yeah. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with that, I, especially because you don't just get the SOP signed. You get the Certificate of Authenticity signed. So it's really two signatures and that incredible uh, Mr. Sacco keepsake, uh, for only 39 99 plus shipping. I believe it goes out almost everywhere in the world. Almost every, everywhere that, uh, pro wrestling tees, um, does business. And I love, uh, doing this promotion with them. It's been successful each year and we hope to continue that trend, uh, November 29th and 30th.
0: So there you go. Mark your calendars next Wednesday and Thursday cruise on over to pro this perhaps is the ultimate stocking stuffer for the wrestling fan in your life, a Mr. Sacco autographed by Mick Foley with a COA only 39 99. And by the way, I don't know that we're supposed to be talking about this, but I just want to give you some props, man. I just saw the graphic. I just saw, I haven't actually held it in my hand yet, but ringside collectibles, boy, they have hit a home run with this three faces of Foley. And we've talked about this a little bit on the program for a while now. But the packaging on this thing exceeded all of my expectations going left to right, we've got mankind and then dude love and cactus Jack. And it's not just the figures in the box, but the background for each figure is unique. Yeah. This is really, really cool. I think this might actually be the coolest packaging I've seen yet for a figure like this.
1: (laughs) Nothing discreet about this package. Conrad, uh, it's pretty spectacular. It's above and beyond even what I hoped for, and I was really hoping for something great. I'm excited because the Cactus Jack is the first WCW era Cactus Jack. Uh, the shirt was one that my wife made for me. I uh, love the attention to detail, the lifelike deltoids. I think are the most important aspect. And do you know uh, what I? Where I'm just feel fortunate that uh, when I was shown the initial packaging, which would not have allowed. Uh, anyone to see the figures. Uh, I expressed my concern to ringside collectibles. I thought that was part of the appeal. And uh, they got back to me in like three days with uh, a mock-up that looks not quite as detailed as this one, uh, but one that really made a difference. So uh, you've seen me when I sign stuff. You know, I really, I really want it to look good. And my yes. favorite piece to up until now has been the Jacks, Three Faces of Folly. And now this will become my very favorite piece to sign. And I hope that uh, some of our listeners will, uh, um, you know, reach out. I wish it was available by Christmas, but I think it uh, you can pre-order now, but I believe it's going to be available in January.
0: Check it out. Ringside Collectibles has it. That's ringsidecollectibles.com. My goodness, what a really cool piece. I'm not normally much of a figure guy, Mick, but this this is different. This is a... This is a display piece for me. This is really, really cool. Covers your entire career. And of course we've talked about all those different characters. We're going to talk about how maybe you had the chance to switch back to one of those characters and past, but before we do, I thought we should at least touch on something a little topical. It's been pretty controversial over the last week or so. Lots of people buzzing about the Texas death match between Hangman Adam page and Swerve Strickland. They pulled out all the stops, you know, barbed wire and glass and, staple guns and blood dripping in each other's mouths. It was wild. Uh, you are a connoisseur of that sort of thing. Did you have yeah. a chance to see it? And if not, what have you heard about it? And, and what do you think? I wish
1: I could say I've seen it, but I was, uh, driving, uh, vast distances over the last uh, week. I think I put on about 5,000 miles in the last, uh, two weeks. Wow. So I was was uh, real, I was probably in the car when that was taking place. I heard it was really epic. Uh, I'm not crazy about, not only am I not crazy, I don't think I wish people wouldn't uh, drink each other's blood Yeah. in any day and age, let alone this one. I mean, Heels used to do that. I remember even Tracy Smothers in Japan would do the deal where they'd, you know, suck the blood out of the opponent's head and spit it into the air. It's like, yeah, maybe that had a time and a place, but uh, that time and place is over. Uh, I just, yeah. <laughs> Not a knock on the match, just looking out for everybody's safety and knowing that, uh, you know, people are going to uh, possibly emulate what they see on TV. But that doesn't take away from the fact that the guys seem to have a great match and really enjoyed uh, doing it.
0: It was an incredible pay-per-view. It seems, seems like AEW always delivers on pay-per-view. This was no exception, but boy, that violence was over the top. So if you're a hardcore fan or a deathmatch fan, I recommend you check it out. See what all the buzz and the controversy is about. And, uh, you know, when it comes to hardcore wrestling, I don't think anybody knows more about that than you, uh, let's talk a little bit about why we're here today. Of course, we've been going down memory lane this year, revisiting a lot of the great moments from 1998. And, uh, as we're winding down 1998, I, I ran across some interesting notes from your book. You actually wrote that you were presented an idea from Vince Russo on September 13th, 1998, a day that you called a fateful day in your career. And in the scenario where Russo came to you, he says, Hey, we got an idea where we could make you cactus Jack again. Now this is once upon a time, the dream scenario for Mick Foley cactus Jack oh, yeah. in the WWE. Sure, but you turned it down. Walk us through why you wanted to maintain the mankind character,
1: man. Give me some context here because eventually, obviously I did become cactus Jack here.
0: Um, well you you had done the cactus thing a year prior. September 97 is where we see the debut, but a year later they're coming to you and and you sort of want to keep it going. And so you do a promo a couple of days later where you and Vince McMahon are talking and Vince is trying to convince you to take on the rock and Ken Shamrock. And you tell him, you know, I need a ride and I don't drive and you legit crack Vince up off camera. Uh, this is where we're starting to build towards the survivor series. And
1: the reason being, um, is the ca- the mankind character was clicking. Yes, it really was. And it, I could feel the momentum, um, maybe in a way that the writing team can't because they're not on the road every night. Um, I've been told, you know, by uh, the stars of uh, today, you know, the modern day, that there's a big difference between, between the audiences on the road at uh, house shows and the audiences at the TV shows. His um, families don't come as often to the Sunday um, and Monday night shows because of the school issue. Uh, but you can get a feel for what the average, not the average, but you know, the not typical, I'm not using words typical or average in a bad way. Right. But what the main, you know, and I'm not trying, I don't know, there's a good word for the uh, the slightly more casual fan. And they were really connecting with mankind. And I thought that putting the brakes on that to have Cactus Jack come out. Uh, the most, you know, as WWE wanted to, you know, uh, if there was a difference in the characters, Cactus was going to be the one who comes out and, and you know, and kicks the butt. Uh, sometimes, so busy kicking butt, Conrad he forgets to take names. See, seen <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh, and I just felt like it wasn't time to do that yet. I, I this might be the same conversation that you know. I should brush up on the subjects before uh, they just hit me. But I do like the idea that I'm fielding them, you know, live, which I am. Um I remember having the talk with Vince and he would call me a yucky baby face because in a joking way because I really was going to bat for mankind and the the empathy that fans had for him and especially when I started letting a little of the lighter part of my personality seep into mankind. It just seemed to be a winning hand. And, uh, I didn't want to discard it.
0: One of the ideas that I think you point out to Russo is that you might be the only baby face on the roster who likes Vince. And so Vince yeah. is like this despicable heel, but you're still the lovable mankind character. And, and I, I just like the idea of that dynamic on screen of Everyone at home loves you, but hates him. So on screen, it's quite the odd couple. No, I mean, that's good chemistry.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And if I go back in time, uh, when I did the, uh, 20 years of hell, uh, tour, I was talking about how in rapid succession, I'd gone from being dark mankind to, uh, to dude love to cactus Jack to all three simultaneously to. Corporate dude to corporate mankind. Uh, and I just thought fans were starting to lose. It was too much too soon. And I just felt like here I am now. Now it's really building on an organic level, the mankind, like semi baby face turn, which wouldn't be complete uh, for a while. But uh, the chemistry I had with Vince was really good. And I just, uh, man, there were. I tell some people, you know, that the biggest fights you'll have in wrestling are not in the ring. You know, they're backstage with creative. And you don't want to be the guy who picks a fight all the time right? because it's meaningless. But, yeah, Vince Russo, you know, he was a really big fan of Cactus Jack. Like, that was the go-to weapon. And if you're a writer, I can understand why you want to go with your best weaponry. But I felt I don't want to keep reiterating. I just want to – I I felt it deep down that this was connecting, and now jumping ahead 25 years, I think that if I had jumped back into action as Cactus Jack, that a lot of the goodwill I accrued as as mankind would not have been there. And I don't think I'm in a position, you know, where I do have a a, a three pack from Mattel, and where you and I are talking about. Um, Um, talking, talking on a podcast. I just think that that was such a pivotal moment of my career. And I'm, um, I'm glad I stood up for it. I'm glad that WWE didn't, did not force the issue.
0: I want to talk to you a little bit about your on-screen chemistry with Vince McMahon, because I think I've read that at some point he didn't want to rehearse with you anymore. He wanted it (laughs) to just be natural. And he felt like that would deliver the best performance. Is that the way you remember it?
1: I think so. I mean, I think it started, I remember specifically, uh, this is uh, just a few weeks prior to the, the you know, the birth of Mr. Sacco and the, the unveiling of Yurple, yep. uh, Um at the, you know, at the, at the hospital room that uh, Vince was being sent into an ambulance where he would later be hooked up to a heart monitor and a respirator for a bruised ankle bone because that's the way we roll in pro wrestling. Uh, that Russo said, bro, like they're loading Vince into the ambulance, just do something. And I, I
0: <laughs> and you took him a big gulp and candy and this was all improv.
1: Yeah. I just, I found the big gulp. I don't know where I found it. And there was always candy, candy and craft services. And so I'm like, I'm the run in real time. I can see Vince, you know, 30 yards uh, down the hallway. I pick up the candy in the big gulp and I think, you know, I'm not only, I'm snaking in the, uh, the big gulp and I believe I was actually trying to put the uh, fun size candy in his pocket and his, you know, his method of selling for me was, it was really profound. I think in the book I mentioned that when, uh, uh, you know, I'm jumping around times here uh, a few months at a, a, a time. But when I was given the hardcore title, uh, Vince said he was he was on the outs with Shane at that time on screen. And he said, you know, Mick, uh, I recently lost a son and in some ways. I feel like I've found one. And I when I said, gee, thanks. And they start to roll him out because he's still uh, in the wheelchair, I believe, from the bruised ankle bone. I said, gee, thanks, dad. None of it rehearsed. And his reaction, it was just a confluence of emotions. He went from like slight happiness to looking like he was sucking on a sour lemon to just utter disgust, like all in the space of a second or two. And I don't know if we would have had that stamp of authenticity had it not been for Vince's decision to just uh, let it fly.
0: Guys, I can't wait to talk about today's sponsor. It's Henson shaving. I've become such a huge fan of Henson. I have to admit we vet all of our sponsors before they become a sponsor. So they sent me a Henson razor and buddy, I loved it. We've talked about how thin and how tiny those blades are. I was like, man, I can't believe this is real. And I got to tell you, just holding the assembly, the Henson razor in my hand, it just felt quality. It felt old school. It felt like something manly. It felt like something my grandfather, my great grandfather used. It was awesome. And by the way, it gave me the best shave ever. Seriously. I can't even tell you the difference, Uh, but I've been using all the little fancy plastic piece of junk razors down at the grocery store. I didn't think they were junk because they costed a lot, but it wasn't until I was so in love with Henson shaving that I went to buy my dad one. Seriously, I was telling dad about it and he thought, well, how good can it be? And I said, I'm going to get you one. So I went over to the Henson shaving website and I'm almost embarrassed to tell you how affordable it was. I thought this was a great product, but I thought it cost three or four times what it does because it feels like this product will last you a lifetime. When it's in your hand, this feels like the last razor I'll ever buy. And considering how many blades I got with it, because they're going to send you a freaking hundred blades. So I thought to myself, self. This has got to be a certain number. It was a third of what I thought it was. Go see for yourself right now, Henson shaving. This is not in the copy. Everything I've told you so far is just from the heart. I'm just being sincere here. Reality is this is not only a better razor. It's also cheaper than what you've been using. Think about that. If it's better and it's cheaper, why wouldn't you do this? You just got to meet Henson shaving. Let me explain. Henson Shaving is a family owned aerospace parts manufacturer. These dudes have made stuff for the international space station and Mars Rover. And now they're bringing that same technology and engineering to your face. Daddy razor blades are like diving boards. The longer the board, the more the wobble, the more the wobble. Well, the more nicks, cuts, and scrapes. You see a bad shave. Isn't really a blade problem. It's an extension problem. And by using aerospace grade CNC machines, Henson makes razors that extend just .0013 inches. That's less than the thickness of a human hair. It also means a secure blade and a stable blade with a vibration-free shave. By the way, it gets better. The razor has built-in channels to evacuate hair and cream, which makes clogging virtually impossible. And here's what I love as a businessman about Henson shaving. They want to make the best razor, not the best razor business. That means no plastic, no subscriptions, no proprietary blades and no planned obsolescence. The Henson razor works with a standard dual edge blade to give you that old school shave with all the benefits of new school tech. And once you own a Henson razor, it's only like listen up three to $5 a year to replace the blades. I can't believe this is real. It's time to say no to subscriptions and yes to a razor that will last you a lifetime. Go right now. I encourage you, I implore you. Go to hensonshaving.com Foley to pick the razor for you and use code Foley. You'll get two years worth of blades for free with your razor, just make sure to add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades when you head to H-E-N-S-O-N-S-H-A-V-I-N-G.com slash Foley and be sure to use code Foley. By the way, if you're curious, I bought my dad copper. He loves it. You'll love yours too. Hansonshaving.com forward slash Foley. Before we get to the hardcore title, we should mention one week after he was loaded into the ambulance uh, in in East Lansing, you're going to be tasked with trying to cheer him up, but... You know, we're not really sure what that's going to look like. I guess we should go ahead and address it now. How in the world did you find your I mean, you didn't just open up a phone book and look for clowns. Did you?
1: Uh, I don't know what WWE did, but I mean, it was Russo's idea. I'm almost sure at the very least he was the one who presented to me. He's like, bro, (laughs) you know, we want you to go to the hospital. Uh, and he laid out the idea that you're going to get thrown out. Your, your actions have to cost you to get thrown out without making it look like those are my intentions. And he goes, uh, you know, we've got, you know, we've got a, a, a birthday party clown. And the first thing I said was, does she have the big shoes? And Rooster says, bro, she's got the shoes.
0: Oh, my God. And
1: little, little did I know 25 years later that I would still be in touch with Yerpal. There she is. Haven't seen her in a long time, uh, but she and her husband uh, portray uh, Mrs. and Santa Claus. So uh, I, I'm i dying for a Europol reunion. I even pitched an idea uh, for uh, WrestleCon, not WrestleCon, uh, Access a few years ago, where we would make a room uh, out to be a, a faux hospital room. Yes. And the photo op would be uh, one by one people would come in and lay in the hospital bed uh, and we'd reenact that scene. And the cool thing about it is it doesn't have to appeal to everybody. Right. It has to appeal to about 60 to 80 people to make it a big success because, you know, people would be willing to pay, I think, pretty good money for that type of photo. It didn't turn out. We haven't done it yet, but, uh, you never say never brother. I would love to uh, make that happen someday.
0: You wrote in your book that Socko was actually Al Snow's idea. Is that
1: right? What? what? I didn't hear that. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that.
0: <laughs> the check's in the mail, Al. Um that
1: was Al's idea. Do you want uh, further explanation? Yes,
0: please.
1: So I'm heading out the door, like literally heading out the door to go to the hospital, and I see Al. And this is before Al became cantankerous and uh, cranky to the point where he makes Squidward tentacles look joyful by comparison. Because back in the day, Al, you know, was a lighthearted guy, a lot of fun to be around. Not saying he's not a great guy. He's just a cantankerous, cranky great guy now. And I said, Al, I've got this host of presents. The the box of chocolates that was largely eaten was a good one. Uh, The surgical glove, you know, drawn on to look like a turkey, not so good. Uh, The the penny whistle or pin foot or whatever you call it. Look at (laughs) this expression. It's amazing. Just incredible. Uh, I said, I feel like I need one more uh, lousy gift. And Al said, how about a sock puppet? I looked at him kind of quizzically. I said, a sock puppet? And Al said, everyone hates a sock puppet. And I've told this story a bunch of times, but I don't think it hurts to tell it again. The truth is, I don't think I would have used the sock, which I had in my waistband, unless your was stealing the scene, which she was. And uh, I don't care how humble a wrestler seems when you are taking the tact that people need to watch you do something instead of, you know, uh, a couple hundred people can do it faster and better than you can. You've got a little bit of an ego and nobody likes to have scenes stolen from them, especially an outsider, you know, on our show. And uh, she was, she was in great form showing why she was a seasoned birthday party veteran. And I did the uh, John Wayne Sands of Iwo Jima, Crawl Underneath the Gurney. So Vince had no idea I had a sock puppet. Therefore, I had no idea how he would react to it. And, uh, and it was just that horrible ventriloquist act. Like, if I'd been a ventriloquist, it would not have worked. You know, if I'd been able to throw my voice, it wouldn't have worked. But you see mankind come out, oh, I am Mr. Socko. I'm here to kiss the boo-boo. And then Vince, who wasn't quite a billionaire at that time, but was on his road to being one, he says the words, No, Mick, don't kiss the boo-boo, which is just great stuff. You know, you can't script that. You can't have a writer write the words, uh, no, Mick, don't kiss the boo-boo. And then I believe I stumbled uh, all my weight on uh, Mr. McMahon. He wasn't happy when he saw the box of chocolates had been eaten. We we were able, uh, before the PG era, to get away with verbiage like, I've got some female entertainment and I think you know what I mean. And Vince's eyes light up and I go, she does a trick with a dog that you won't believe.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> the deal is it's a balloon dog. Right. right. But could you imagine this day and age, no. how quickly that scene would be cut and how firmly I would be spoken to. Yes. About that type of illusion. And then she, yeah, you can see the little dog right there. Yeah. Yeah. A little fella. Um, And it was, but the truth is, Conrad, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was that good. So when Steve Austin, who later came in and hit Vince with the pet ban and violated him in a way that nobody should be violated, whether an evil TV heel or not, uh, the next day he was like, man, that was some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen. And I was waiting for him to turn on me. And so I didn't want to, like, buy into it because I thought he was going to turn on me. Right. Uh, like he had done when he put over a match I had with Sid on TV. And I was like, oh, thanks a lot. And he was like, hell, that was one of the biggest stinkers I've ever seen you in. And it was only like the fourth or third or fourth time where he was like, no, that's some of the best stuff I've ever seen. That I was like, okay, okay. And then uh, within short order, Russo came up to me, bro, you got the sock? I was like, "I I don't know. Why? I think so. I think it's in my bag. He goes, they've got signs out there. They're chanting for him. And I think the fans, going back to the whole idea of empathy, um, just felt that this guy, this character, when I say this guy, I'm talking about myself, but in the character of Mankind, he really built up some goodwill, and he'd clearly been through some stuff. And I think the... You know, the contrast of that guy now using a sock puppet to try to cheer up his evil boss was just something that, you know, it, it just, it just worked in a way that nobody could have predicted I wouldn't have predicted it and I thought it was one and done. Like so much of what we do is.
0: Hey, so let me ask you, you know, it wasn't too long prior to this, that Vince McMahon was telling other people in the WWE office that he couldn't see a scenario where you would ever work with this company and now fast forward. And you guys are hamming it up and having a great time. And I know that you really won Vince over with your yeah. sit down interviews, the prior August with, with, when you sat down with Jr and, and Vince really saw more of the multifaceted version yep. of Mick Foley that he maybe be expected, but now he's on screen performing with you and fans are eating it up, but so are the talent. This is probably when Vince became convinced you could be one of the top guys, right?
1: I think so. I think the discussion with JR was April, and uh, it ran through maybe early, early June yeah. in six weeks, just that, uh, that little correction there. Yeah, yeah, you, not a lot of talent gets, I mean, they get their moment with Vince on screen. But, you know, it was uh, really, it was just me, Steve, and I think uh, a little later, within months, uh, was uh, DX, uh, doing the angle with vents, but that was some pretty rare air. And I was just, uh, I was glad to be occupying it.
0: It's interesting. The first time we see Mr. Sacco come out with the mandible claw is a, as a match against Mark Henry, he's working over your ankle. You finally take the pressure off and uh, you take your sneaker off and there's Mr. Sacco. And then eventually you wrestle Ken Shamrock at judgment day and the match ends when Shamrock puts the ankle lock on you. <laughs> And to yeah. block the pain in the ankle, you start punching your own forehead, pulling out your hair, and then you put yourself in the mandible <laughs> claw to pass out. I've I mean, even now that seems crazy, but this is creative and fun. And this is the attitude era in a sentence. I think. Yeah.
1: And we got a little hard way blood there. So it's not like people cannot complain that it wasn't hardcore. Um, uh, And that's exactly how a real life fight between me and shamrock would have gone down with
0: (laughs) you continue this fabulous storyline with Vince. Austin gets fired at judgment day. And then we see a skit. I can't believe this is real. You played twister all by yourself. Um, is this all Vince Russo writing this? Are you contributing to this? This is just one hilarious bit after another. Well,
1: I'm <laughs>
0: <laughs> hopefully you're watching over on YouTube. The visual of Vince McMahon in a wheelchair that's branded with the WWF logo and mankind in full gimmick and sock and a tie playing twister to entertain Vince.
1: Look, you know, a lot of it was Russo. Uh, and a, a lot of it was Russo letting me run with ideas. And then I was definitely pitching in ideas. But uh, I, don't, I don't think, I would not have had that run with WWE had it not been for Vince Russo because he was such a big believer in the character. You know, maybe I had my little, uh, you, know, argue, you know, arguments or um, differences of opinion when it came to Cactus Jack versus Mankind. Um, but this was uh, some really strong stuff. And uh, I think part of being a good writer is knowing the strengths and negatives that uh, the characters you're writing for have. And uh, yeah, yeah, there were a few times when I did a word for word recital of a promo, but not many, you know, I I had a lot of freedom. I can't tell you for sure if Twister was my idea or Russo's, but we were working pretty closely together to make that uh, character come to life.
0: You've heard Mick talk about it for years. AG1, Mick and I absolutely love AG1. We start each and every day with a simple scoop. That's it. That's all we need. One single scoop and a cup of water. And buddy, we're getting 75 different high quality ingredients. It's going to hook you up and give you all the key daily nutrients. And it's going to go ahead and support everything you need, your energy, your focus, your strength, your clarity. This is just a, a no brainer to me. Think of it as like your foundational nutrition product. You know, listen, we all get busy and we wind up. Well, I didn't want to do this for lunch, but I don't feel like I have an option or well, I know I need to Dude, this is easy. Just one scoop every single day. You're making sure you're taking care of your most valuable asset you You cover all your bases. You're looking for better gut health. You want to boost in energy. You want to support that immune system. Maybe you hate taking pills or vitamins. Maybe you just want a supplement that tastes good. I drink mine every single morning. My wife does hers before she even does her coffee. It makes her feel unstoppable on her way to the gym. And I think it gives me more focus at work. I feel like I'm more productive and I don't have that crash in the afternoon. I feel like I'm more productive all day long. We started this back even before the pandemic started. My wife did, but when the pandemic started, man, she had me start doing it. We've done it every day since we are huge fans. I think you will be too. Even our daughters are into it now. Morgan's actually taking some down to Tuscaloosa with her. With every single serving, setting yourself up for success, I just can't recommend it enough. By the way, you don't have to take our word for this. Just go look up their reviews. These cats have thousands of five-star reviews. It's the real deal. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1. And get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go right now to drinkag1.com/foley. That's drinkag1.com/foley. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. You get a fun opportunity to team up with your pal Al Snow to take on the New Age Outlaws on Raw. And near the end of the match, you're trying to use Mr. Saco. Al's trying to use Head. Al gets rolled up, and you two lose. But Head and Socko, boy, this is a, uh, I gotta be a lot of fun for you and your old pal. Al who would have thought, yeah. right? I mean, when you're in wrestling school, can you imagine a scenario where when he's in Lima, Ohio, and you're up there with Mr. Danucci and one day we're going to use mannequin heads and sock puppets. <laughs> Nobody would have caught that. No chance.
1: Yeah, I I mentioned in the book, I think, you know, we're jumping around from month to month, but uh, I believe it was Survivor Series. No, I'm not sure when it was. I did, I I wrestled Al at Survivor Series 97, I believe. I believe it was Dwayne Gill, not Gilbert yet. Uh, Al, uh, Steve Austin and Rock that night, I believe. I'm not sure if Al was in that equation or not. But one of the scenarios was that Mr. Sacco had been stolen and that some nefarious heel had put him around Al's head, which I thought was Al stealing Mr. Sacco. Now, why Al wouldn't notice that, I don't know. But uh, it seemed to make sense in the wrestling world. And Al and I were good friends, and still are to this day. And uh, you know, I've enjoyed working with people I wasn't close with. Had some of my best matches with people I wasn't, you know, necessarily a close friend with. As long as you have the trust there, it's uh, really easy to work together. But it's also fun to be in there with somebody that you like, you really like, and you ride the roads with, and you rib. And so we had a lot of fun, and I was able to get zingers in on Al on live TV to a degree that I don't think anyone else had ever done. To that extent, especially when they, you know, the zingers started coming one after another in a memoir. I don't believe anyone had ever taken the opportunity to write a memoir as a cheap way to get back at a, you know, an ally. Uh, in a in a ribbing match, so I was really proud of that.
0: Super fun stuff. You get to team up with Al again on November second in Houston. Uh, you're going to lose Saco, start searching for it, and that allows Al to get <laughs> double teamed and choke slammed by Kurgan and Golga for the splash. So you're working with the former Earthquake here. That had to be fun. But later in the same show, that's when you're handed that old busted up WWF World Championship, <laughs> and Vince announces you as the new Hardcore Champion. And I realized that this was a, a fun segment on television and probably at the time, no one thought anything of it. Little did we know there's really going to be a hardcore division and it's going to become a really fun part of the show for quite a while. What did you think of the presentation of, we're going to take the old title, like, you know, Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage used to wear and just crack it up with a hammer, kind of like Mr. Perfect did, but put a little piece of duct tape on there. Hardcore. what did you think of that?
1: Well, I liked it. There's a rumor that, and it's never been confirmed that WWE got the idea from a cardboard title belt that I wore at Madison Square Garden that had been given to me by fans in Greensboro. And no, this is not just a plug for my uh, signing in Greensboro Sunday. That would be Sunday, what, November 26th?
0: I don't think it's Greensboro. I think it's Winston-Salem, North Carolina. No, Wrestle- oh, no, I'm not there. I'm oh, okay. A- okay. I'm
1: at... Uh, if this is the day after Thanksgiving, yes. I'm in Greer, South Carolina, from five to eight. The next day, I'm in Hickory, I think, from twelve to three, and then Greensboro um, uh, from around that same time. You can go to my website, realnickfoley.com, and check it out. But I, I'm not saying Greensboro just so I can plug my Greensboro show. <laughs> I did have a. They made me a heck of a belt out of uh, cardboard. Wow. And And uh, I I mean, I never found out if they they liked it and decided to do something, or whether they just had a similar idea. But uh, I decided uh, when I was handed that title that I was going to hold it like a precious gemstone. And I think that was the uh, the moment where I referred to Vince as dad, and he made all those great faces. Uh, It was, I believe, it was it was like supposed to be a joke on mankind. And then it became a title that was really hard fought. You know, it it was sought after. It was fought over. And I will tell you that um, of all the title belts I've signed, uh, I would say 50% of them are the hardcore title.
0: Wow. For
1: example, I believe I've I've signed less than 10 of the red uh, WWE titles Uh, the one that was kind of mocked at at SummerSlam in 2016, um, I've signed a handful of those. Uh, I, every once in a while, I get an intercontinental title to sign. I love the winged Eagle and the, you know, the mankind, uh, uh, tribute, uh, title belt, but this is the one that more people have. I don't know what the sales figures are, but I see a lot of them and it was created as something of a joke 25 years ago. Uh, if I had known that it would be worth a small fortune, I wouldn't have let it walk away with Tommy dreamer. So it could be hung over his mantle where I think it still is. Wow. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was just fun. And I'm really proud that I was on the ground floor of something that turned out to be so much bigger than anyone thought it would be.
0: Speaking of big, the storyline at survivor series 98 was a big one. A lot of people still to this day say it's the West one show thread in the history of pay-per-view. We're trying to crown a new champion. so We're doing a one-night tournament. And of course, this is the era where you're trying to uh I don't know, nestle up next to Vince McMahon. He's trying to make you the corporate mankind. And you're going to keep that look for quite a while. What what do you think of the uh the corporate look of 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 mankind, corporate mankind?
1: Nothing like giving a guy with a sweaty leather mask a makeover. Clean shaven, most people did not, well, no, 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 by that point, they they, well, they knew what I looked like as Dude Love and Cactus Jack, but very few people had seen me clean shaven, and it was a little bit enticing, because you still couldn't really see me clean shaven. I remember going to Disneyland with Al and uh, Scotty Tuhati, and it was Al's uh, like comeback on maybe hardly anybody knew who I was there. In comparison to Al and Scotty, I think because no one had ever seen me without a goatee. I mean, I shaved it to try to get some heat in uh, ECW. Um, I shaved it. I mean, a little later in '99 uh, when I went on a family vacation so that I wouldn't be noticed. But uh, this was—I thought it was great. You know, I'm—I'm I'm pretty tough on my own body of work. But so when I say I thought it was great, I—I I, I mean it. Uh, not only the clean, uh, uh, you know, the clean shaven look, but also the, the, macure manicure and the tuxedo. It's so far me to go out and get a suit. And I came back with a, t-
0: <laughs> a tuxedo, a corporate mankind tuxedo. And you see there, you're holding the hardcore title. You're going to take on Ken Shamrock for the hardcore title. You get the win with a little help from the big boss man. And, uh, then you wind up hugging, dad, and you get this look of Vince's face changing and it's just yeah. tremendous.
1: <laughs> look at Frisco. Oh man. It was just great stuff. You know, it was, I just, <laughs> Oh, the only thing that's missing is a pencil thin mustache. and
0: then. Oh my uh, gosh. He looks like a movie villain now. Uh, so you schedule, you're scheduled to take on a mystery opponent in the first round of this survivor series tournament to crown a champion. And Vince McMahon does, uh, not fail you. He's uh, he's looking out for you. The mystery opponent is Dwayne Gill. Of course, we're telling the story here that he's doing whatever he can to make sure that you become his corporate champion. The second round match is against Al snow. He's going to steal Sacco from you. There you go. Yeah. Okay. okay. The third right. round match is the one that maybe has been forgotten about, but it has one of the best stories ever. You're wrestling stone cold, Steve Austin. You guys are going at it. The ref goes down. Austin hits the stunner and here comes what we think is a babyface referee. Shane McMahon slide again. He counts the two and then gives stone cold the double bird. And this is where it gets interesting. Boss man supposed to be there for the finish, right. but he never shows up. Tell us about what's happening in that match.
1: Yeah, I think I said in uh, in uh, have a nice day that he was he reminded me of uh, I believe it was Blitzen who was lost in a snowdrift and missed out on the Christmas Eve journey. In my favorite uh, children's book of all time, The Happiest Christmas, which coincidentally enough I just sent out today in the mail uh, as one of Santa's official representatives, I sent it to one of my favorite singers, uh, Margot Price, so that when her daughter opens it up, the storyline of this is that Santa presented this to Buddy Elf, Christmas,
0: mm, 1976.
1: Like so there you go. That's I love that story. and That's what Boss Man uh, reminded me of. In the same way that Blitzen was forlorn when he realized he missed out on Christmas, the Boss Man <laughs> just... Forgot his cue, which resulted in Briscoe using one of the worst chair shots in history. But in his defense, Steve had the the bad neck. Yes. And because it wasn't in the cards, he was using one of those folded up cushion chairs with the hinges. Uh, It's one of those worst case scenarios. Yeah. Well, it wasn't folded up. Let me tell you. Uh, But but Uh,
0: it is a love tap. I think Bruce Pritchard has called this the Tink Heard Round the World.
1: Yeah, and now the reason I'm not wearing my uh, tuxedo pants there is they literally ripped in half. Not planned, but I did have the wherewithal uh, to plan for a worst-case scenario, and I put the brown tights under there because, trust me, you know, like when Ric Flair gets stripped down to his BVDs, it's funny. It wouldn't have been funny if I got stripped down and revealed that I was uh, growing a cottage cheese factory underneath my... uh, Oh, wow. My, uh, tuxedo pants. So I'm lucky that I did have, uh, I did plan for the worst and, uh, look, it wasn't a great win over Steve Austin, but any win over Steve Austin's a pretty good win.
0: I I would agree with that. So, as we said, you get the win there, you're going to move on to the finals to take on the rock after he defeated the undertaker. So think about that in the semifinals here, it's it's mankind versus Austin rock versus undertaker. And you wrote in your book that you were physically and mentally exhausted, but now it's time for the main event. Uh, and yeah. I think you actually hurt your knee attempting to dive on the rock on the Spanish announce table. Um, what do you remember about that main event match here? I mean, this is such an incredible show and incredible story and you know, the, the big callback to the prior year at survivor yeah. series and, They've screwed you. So the people's champ, cause people are in love with the people's elbow and he's the baby face and you're trying to warm up to the evil Vince McMahon. They screw you in the process. They crown him as the new corporate champion. What'd you think of the the story, the match, the performance and, and, and how were you physically after the show?
1: Well, yeah, I forgot that I was banged up, but I, you uh, say, I said, I was, I believe what I said, uh, yeah, that, that elbow, yeah, it definitely has some ramifications. Uh, I think the only thing I was worried about is whether they would accept a double turn um, because the rock was so incredibly popular. And this guy had just come on. I mean, just, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever, uh, him and Steve maybe with parallel, like, trajectories, they're almost, like, straight into the air, you know, and it wasn't like a linear chart. I mean, these guys just took off like rockets. So I think that was my one concern, was whether people were going to accept me as the good guy, even though they were leaning in that direction. Uh, WWE had done a great job of setting that table. But uh, if it had been anybody, if, it, if he had turned without Mr. McMahon, I'm not sure it would have worked as well. But it definitely did work. And then we were off to the races with matches in the... Uh, <sighs> You know the uh, December pay per view, January pay per view, February pay per view, and a handful of TV matches in there, coming up on the 25th anniversary of the the I you know the I Quit match, uh, which was you know uh, memorable, not really pleasant, but really memorable, and so it did work. It really it really did, and um, you know in a business where it's uh, both a sprint and a marathon. Um, it was a really good uh, you know car- career move for both me and uh, Dwayne Johnson.
0: Super fun to think about that fun night, you know the the people's eyebrowed events, and then that's when we know, wait a minute, and he's crowned the champion, but it is the one year anniversary of the actual Montreal job yeah. at Survivor Series. And I know you felt so strongly about that. We've covered that in the archives. Were you at all hesitant to sort of lean into that story for this show? Or by that point, were you comfortable with it?
1: I think I was comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I was, um, I'd like to be able to say I wasn't, but I think I was, um, I mean, breaded, you know, breaded landed on his feet.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Um, you know, it was, uh, yeah, breaded landed on his feet. And he was doing well. Uh, I mean, really, you know, Bret Hart, the real, the best Bret Hart's a WWE, Breast Hart, Bre- Bre-
0: Bret Hart. I love Breast Hart <laughs> too. I mean, she was a hell of a hand. <laughs> the next night on Raw, the uh, the Stooges and the Corporation they're on a quest to find you. It ends up with you beating up Pat Patterson, Gerald Briscoe, and Sergeant Slaughter down in the boiler room. I mean, when you're working in a program with the champion. Fresh off of a couple of main events and a lot of screen time with Vince in this era, you're still very much. How great is that? If you're watching along with us, you see, see, they're wearing shoulder pads and Kentucky football helmets. Mr. Uh, Sergeant slaughter's got his old gear on. It's quite a look. You've got to be feeling like in this era where you're still paid on the houses and things like that. Hey man, I'm in the main events. I'm working with the champ. Did you think, Hey, maybe I'm going to be. And next year's WrestleMania main event was that on your radar at this point? Do you think? Uh,
1: no, I mean uh, the title win wasn't on my radar either. Yeah, I, I was really, I was just, I was happy. I mean, I like, I, I like to be paid, no doubt about that. And you can ask Jr. about the number of times I did question, outright complain about payoffs. Sometimes they were, you know, changed, and sometimes they weren't. But in it, in my heart. You know, I didn't get into wrestling because I thought I'd make a lot of money. I got into it because I loved it, and I just loved that combination of physicality and uh, theatrics. And I, I love doing good stuff. And I just felt like what we were doing. I mean, I even think in that uh, in in that segment where I fought off Briscoe and Patterson were the two main stooges. Like Sarge was one of the biggest stars in the industry. Stars Sarge still does well at the comic cons. Oh life. yeah. Uh, and Sarge was one of my, like, people who cracked the door open for me to get into the business because I was able to give him MSG VHS videotapes at a time when very few people had those type of things. He even signed, a uh, you know, an autograph photo to my uh, college girlfriend, you know, uh, take care of Mick and that's an order. Uh, wow. And here I I'm just, you know, this is, I guess, yeah, it's granted it's 13 years, but it's still Sergeant Slaughter. And I remember uh, quoting uh, Bill Murray's character, John Winger from Stripes, where I said, I'd like to take a big swing (laughs) at you. While I'm dueling the, uh, uh, you know, and Pat, Pat, for people who don't know, Pat Patterson was one of the all-time great workers. Just like an incredible wrestler. Um, and I'm having a chance and Briscoe, you know, it's Briscoe and the Briscoe brothers. These guys are legends and I'm pulling my own in a three-on-one with them and, uh, getting to share the screen with those guys, uh, which I really loved, you know, well into my, uh, WWF commissioner days.
0: Guys, by now you've heard about Blue Chew on our program for a long time. Mick and I are big believers in Blue Chew and we want you to try it. Sincerely, this isn't just for guys who have a problem. This is for guys who are trying to leave a lasting impression for guys who want to enhance their experience. Think about it as PEDs for your PENIS. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime y'all day or night. So plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is simple, guys. It's three steps. Number one, you sign up at BlueChew.com. Number two, you'll consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, number three, you'll receive your prescription in just a few days. BlueChew's tablets are made here in the USA. They're prepared to ship directly to your door. And by the way, it's in a discreet package, so don't worry about the mailman knowing your business, okay? The best part, it's all done online. That means you get to skip the awkward conversations. You don't even have to go to the doctor's office. There's no waiting in line at the pharmacy. It doesn't get any easier than this. And I've never recommended blue Chew to someone. And they came back and said, oh, it didn't work. Everybody's like, Hey man, uh, thanks for the pro tip. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it y'all let's have some better sex, shall we? We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free and use our promo code FOLEY at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is FOLEY to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Super fun era for professional wrestling here and certainly in your career. The next week, we're going to see you take on Boss Man and Shamrock in a three way for the hardcore title. That sounds like a three way, but really it's a handicap match because they're both in the corporation, Bob, Holly, and Scorpio of the job squad are going to come out to make the save. And it's actually Al snow who's going to hit shamrock with head to help give you the victory. And the next week we see you take on boss man in a ladder match for the hardcore title. This is the same episode where, uh, Sean Michaels returns as a, a heel and a commissioner, and you wind up losing the hardcore championship to boss man after rocks interference. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird that you don't ever actually hold that title again, but you're kind of most known for it. I
1: never did just that one time. Yeah. Compare that to like, um, I think Briscoe held it 37 times, uh,
0: legit. I think Raven held it more than a dozen times, which I think is just fast. I mean, there would be so many times where it would change hands on the same night and this is really uh, in your rearview mirror because now we're looking at the big title. But before we get there, you fly over to England for a special UK only pay per view, Capital Carnage. Uh, you got Steve Austin, Undertaker, and Kane in a four way match that also includes Vinnie Jones. Um, Raw on December 7th as you teaming up with Steve Austin to take on The Rock and The Undertaker. And you're working most of the match until it turns into an all out brawl, and Bossman and Shamrock handcuff you to the top rope. Meanwhile, the undertaker is going to, well, I guess we'll call it sacrifice Austin on what the a WWE would call a symbol, symbol. A <laughs> uh, what, what did you think of this angle when it was happening? And did you foresee any problems with this presentation?
1: Personally, I, I didn't see it, but I could see why other people would. Right. I mean, uh, just in general, you know, uh, crucifixions are, <laughs> are not going to go over. Well, uh, I think we attempted it in ECW Raven attempted to crucify Tommy dreamer. Everyone forgets about it because that was the night of the the fire and, uh, the riot at ECW arena.
0: That, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. The fun. fire happened the same night as when Raven crucified Sandman.
1: Uh, um, was it Sandman or was it dreamer?
0: It was Sandman. And I heard um, that was the night that Kurt angle was there. Was that the same night as the
1: fire? I, heard I, I Hmm, you know, that is, we might have to look up and see if there were two crucifixion angles. I thought it was Dreamer because I think the Sandman thing took place after I left for WWE, but I'm not sure. Uh, I think it's so forgotten that no one even remembers it. And I can tell you, somebody was in a court of law for six days that that tape disappeared. You know, I don't know what happened to it.
0: Uh, the next pay-per-view we've got on the docket is rock bottom, a pay-per-view named after the rock and he's the world champ and you're getting a title shot, but it's not the main event. Austin and undertaker in a buried alive match was, but still you guys get plenty of time in your title match, 13 minutes and 32 seconds. You're going to get the win, but rock retains the title because it's a DQ. It winds up going, uh, as we said, 13 minutes and 32 seconds, lots of fun with, uh, Mr. Sacco and. Mr. McMahon's there. And, uh, it ultimately <laughs> Dave gave it three and a quarter stars. What do you remember of this match and the shenanigans and the storyline? And as you see, there, putting Mr. Socko and the mandible claw on Vince McMahon.
1: Look, I remember the fun of it. You know, I, I, this is not one of those matches. I remember move for move. Is this the one that took place in Memphis?
0: Uh, I need to check on that. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Uh, because if it was, I think rock was singing SmackDown hotel and he was well, since rocks, baby left him. He found a new place to dwell. It's down at the end of jabroni drive. It's, <laughs> <laughs> so this down.
0: is Vancouver. Oh,
1: it's Vancouver. Okay. So I think, uh yeah, we, we did December, January, February, and then into a mania. So for, uh, Four pay-per-views in a row, plus the uh, empty arena match, uh, plus a few TV matches. Like it was a real great run. You know, I mean, stars are you know star ratings are important, but I think the chemistry is even more important. I get, I guess, the fact that I don't remember that much about the match means it's somewhere in that middle area where it was neither great or bad. So I uh, probably you know, three and a quarter is probably uh, accurate. But I think more importantly, we're building that chemistry and we are creating a storyline that uh, uh, fans can really sink their teeth into and setting the table. um, I mean, as off the rails as the uh, I quit match went, you know, it was obvious to me that the only thing that could possibly prevent Rock from having an amazing heel run was that he was so entertaining. It's hard to keep heat for a while, you know, for long-term, unless we were to show the world a different side of rock, which is the entire basis for the I Quit match. Uh, but, uh, man, we were having fun on a on a nightly basis, just creating stuff. And some of it worked and some of it didn't. You know, I remember rock coming up to me at a house show in uh, West Virginia and saying that uh, when West Virginia beat uh, Miami in football, that as dejected and as sad as they were, it was amazing to hear – 60,000 strong singing Country Roads, the John Vanderver song. So he suggested I lead the crowd in that. And, you know, that was just an impromptu thing and or impromptu, not, not impromptu in that we called in the ring, but he mentioned it beforehand. And we loved playing off each other. Uh, and it's just a shame that uh, the, all the potential Dwayne Johnson seemed to have just, you know, slipped away.
0: Nothing ever happened
1: but for a while he was on the verge of greatness.
0: Yeah, we're going to have to see him on one of those behind the music's one day. Uh so you take on Kane on Raw the next night, but when Vince McMahon walks out and says if you want to fight, meet him in the parking lot, so you attack Vince and wind up shoving him in the trunk of a Lincoln Town car, more than a few people have wanted to do that over the years. And the rock appears and hits you with a rock bottom on the hood of the car. And this is one of those things that gets replayed over and over and over because of the sickening sound of the landing. Do you yeah. Remember that bump?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember, you know, I was just, look, that's not a gimmick car. Like you might be, you can gimmick glass, but I don't think you can. And if they pre- did present me with the option of gimmicking something, I would have been for the force times mass, uh, y- you know, uh, equation, And trusting that we could put a major dent in that roof. So I think it was uh, legit. And, uh, I I think it was one of the single rocks. Like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, we can, we can do it. And then once it's in his head, he he's going to, you know, he's going to do it the right way. And he did
0: the next night it's raw on December 21st, and you're going to wrestle Shane McMahon in what I believe to be his first official wrestling match. There was, and this show is more noted for the first time that you and DX have this, I guess we'll call it unofficial connection together. Just a few weeks prior to this, you're rubbing up against the job squad. Now you're somehow loosely affiliated with DX, Uh, and they were just white hot in this era. Speaking of DX, the hardcore champion road dog is going to be defending his hardcore title against you and rock winds up costing you the victory and that hardcore championship again. And that all leads to a rematch. And of course, this is the era where we're doing a live Raw and then a taped Raw. So we're going to yeah. see it the next week, but it actually happened the next day. So let's fast forward a week. And Nitro had been promoting Goldberg and Kevin Nash having a rematch for the WCW title. And that happened, of course, at Starcade the night before. And when you leave Raw, I mean, did you have any idea after you leave the tape draw and you're headed to Worcester, I mean, after you had you leave the live raw and you're headed to the taping in Worcester, did you have any inclination? You were going to be the WWE champion?
1: No way. No, uh, it was not brought up until the next day
0: in hindsight. Do you wish you had your family there and more time to prep and prepare for this big special moment or do you just prefer it the way it was?
1: it was I mean it was pretty magical the way it was. You could say if it was a you know Hollywood ending on paper you'd want the biggest crowd, live crowd, biggest event. But I would say and you know I'd want my family there but do we you Noel know, were little. It doesn't mean they hadn't traveled with me before, but this is you know, it's a pretty brutally cold uh, winter. Um, the, uh, the trip from Worcester to Boston, uh, which should take a little over an hour to close to three because of the the blizzard. so I was really I was happy with the way things turned out and um, you know the, look I'm gonna tell you the uh, behind the scenes thing as uh, Vince said, rock, we want you to um, put Mick over for the title Rock said, I don't want to do that I said we can do it the easy way or the hard way and he said, okay, let's do it the easy way and the rest is history uh, No? you no one buying that at home. I love uh, that. I love that. Oh, that was Bruno, fucking Rogers. I'm sorry, I'm getting my title switches mixed up. Uh, but I was brought up to me. We went and Brock and I went into Mr. McMahon's office, and it was brought up uh, that Vince wanted to change the title. And right away, I said, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you know the drama's in the chase. And I later joked that. Rock was like looking around to see if Ashton Kutcher was going to come jumping out of a,
0: <laughs> a
1: As a general rule, wrestlers don't turn down opportunities to become WWE champion. No. But I never based my, the success of my career on being that guy uh, because, A, I, I, I didn't think I was that guy. And I'd certainly been told for many years that I would never be that guy. Uh, And so I didn't put my stock in it. You know, I put my stock in uh, the feuds and the promos and uh, trying to elevate people while I got, you know, my own characters over. And uh, I have to tell you, I'm glad that Vince pushed for it because, um, uh, man, you know, it was a storybook ending. It was better than a Hollywood ending. It uh, changed the scope of my career, especially in the way – sorry for burp, in the way that people within the business saw me. um, That overnight, I think I went from being a dependable, you know, top tier, I say the word journeyman affectionately uh, to being someone who was seen as a really big star and that was overnight. And we would not have had that without the, you know, the blessing of, uh, you know, Tony Schiavone and the butts and seats call. So I'm really I'm really grateful for the way it all went down. I'm like I said, maybe on paper you could have made a more perfect uh title victory, but if it had been perfect, then we would have had none of the butts and seats, none of the 500,000 uh either people or channels changing uh, within minutes and uh, the trajectory of the Monday Night Wars and therefore wrestling history was uh, changed because of that night.
0: Naked Mind Yoga plus Pilates is a brand new fitness and wellness studio owned and founded by Brandy Rhodes. The physical studio in Roswell, Georgia offers yoga and Pilates reformer classes, plus childcare for clients all under one roof. That is truly unique. And it makes Naked Mind the only yoga or Pilates studio of its kind in the entire Atlanta area. For those of you who aren't local to the Atlanta area, Naked Mind has an app. You can get moving with yoga and Matt Pilates classes led by Brandy and a hand-picked group of established yoga and Pilates instructors. It's a fantastic way to try yoga and get into a new fitness and wellness program. Yoga is good for the mind and the body making it one of the leading wellness practices in the world today. You can find the Naked Mind app on Apple and Android devices and enjoy $10 off your first month or retail when you use the code CONRAD10, Naked Mind Plus Pilates, online at NakedMindStudio.com. That's NakedMindStudio.com. We're going to talk about it. The show starts with you wrestling triple H in a Royal Rumble qualifying match. Shane is the special guest referee and Shane is going to fast count you to give Hunter the win. Hunter's not happy and decides to give you a bit of a new year's gift and pedigrees him into the mat. And then you, uh, you, uh, go ahead and lock in an abdominal stretch on Shane to try to force Vince, to give you a match with (laughs) the rock for the title. Um, and as, as you mentioned on the other channel, they're doing such a big job of promoting their big match with Nash and Goldberg. And you wrote in your book, I knew Vince's corporation and DX had kind of taken me in as their little buddy would be surrounding the ring. And I wanted to make sure they didn't fight until the time was right. I'd seen way too many similar situations end up in disaster because of an overzealous ringside onlooker. And I wanted to make sure that the momentous occasion didn't suffer a similar fate. I had barely even a chance to wish the rock good luck when his music played. And although the situations were completely different, I felt just like I had before my King of the death match finale in Japan. I just wanted to get through it. Is that the way you remember yeah. it? Really? Yeah.
1: I mean, I'm glad you gave me the refresher, uh, but if I wrote it that way and when I wrote it, it would have been just a year after the fact. Right. I did yeah. Most of the writing, uh, you know, uh, finished up in the uh, summer of Ninety-nine. So, yeah, I'll I'll go with my own memory at that time. First of all, <clears throat> when you say abdominal stretch, it sounds kind of wimpy, but uh, the abdominal stretch is an offshoot of the amateur wrestling uh, guillotine cross body ride because I needed to find a hold that worked, that is legit, that looked legit, that would allow me to hold the microphone and yes. talk. It's not easy to do that. And so I mentioned uh, on TV, I said, here's a little something that coach Jim McGonigal taught me. And he was my high school wrestling coach, who had actually known for years earlier before I took up amateur wrestling. And I was a babysitter to his kids. He's a guy actually did a, you know, a, uh, a public speaking uh, a piece on as a college freshman, as the person I looked up to the most because he battled back from – leukemia and was a real real great guy, great great dad, great coach. And uh, by that point, he was retired from teaching, coaching wrestling. I believe he was coaching golf at a different high school. And he told me he got more recognition in the days that followed <laughs> that episode of Raw than he did in 25 or 20 years of coaching. So I was glad to throw that in. And I was glad to show a little bit of, just a little bit of, Uh, amateur scientific uh, wrestling knowledge, Uh, but it worked. Shane sold the heck out of it. And uh, Rock and I really did not have a chance to say anything but good luck. And by that time, I think we trusted each other to act and react. And I don't think it will go down in the history books as one of the great title matches of all time. But I'm a moments guy. I really am. I'll take the moments over the matches any day. In a best case scenario, have them both in the same at the same time. But uh, this was moments. Really, you know, there were some things that you could never predict, like when I hit the, uh, uh, the stairs and they ended up tipping over and falling on my head. And then rock wore me out with the chair, to, you know, which just made a a great cacophonous uh, racket and didn't really hurt me. Uh, but uh, it's nothing that was ever practiced. It's nothing that I've seen done unintentionally, uh, before a sense and just added to that aspect of, uh, you know, you know, just, um, realism. I think it came across as being a pretty realistic struggle.
0: There's lots of discussion about the way wrestling used to be and the way it is today, I want to recap something you wrote here. Cause I think, uh, it really sums up what you just said. You wrote, we had engaged in better bouts before, and we would engage in better in the future, but this night was special. Too many wrestlers think the secret of a great match is to line up as many great moves as possible and run them off A to Z. That may be great for them, but it takes out the factors that make the match turn into magic, emotion and spontaneity. Our title match may have been lacking in choreography, but it was filled with emotion and spontaneity. And as a result, it felt magical as it unfolded.
1: Yeah, I'm going to stand by that. I think as we've talked about that in a variety of different ways, and I'm still going with the magic over the uh, the big moves. And you know, that's my one continual knock on the current product is that fans have been conditioned to think the only way there's only one way to have a great match, and if you don't hit big moves with ultra close uh, false finishes that you're not having one of those. So I was, and I honestly, I just don't think physically I could have a move set that uh, could compete with the top guys of this era, but it wasn't as important as spontaneity and uh, the willingness to believe in a little bit of wrestling magic.
0: One boot to the stomach and a double arm DDT later, and you're both laying on the ground and now the DX corporate battle really kicks up. The referee is trying to restore order. And then something unbelievable happens. The glass breaks and it's arguably the loudest pop in WWE or maybe even wrestling history (laughs) here comes stone cold, Steve Austin on his way to the ring, brandishing a steel chair. He'd been off week off TV for a few weeks at this point. But his return here and the pop is unbelievable at the time. Did you think that your title win is sort of the backdrop to the Austin return? Did it take away from your win or is it all a great story and a great moment? As you said,
1: no, no, I I mean, I'll readily acknowledge that my victory only received the second loudest pop in a 22nd time span. And I'm okay with that. I don't think it took away from it at all. I mean. You know, you put the same factors into play uh, at any other time, and maybe it'd be like he couldn't win a title on his own. He needs Steve Austin or anyone else with a steel chair. I could see why that might affect uh, someone's uh, look at, uh, at that match. But at the time, it seemed like a great idea. Uh, and I think history bears that out. Yeah, I, I think Steve was happy to be a part of it. Rock will, you know, back, back, you know, at least up into, you know, at least a few years ago, Rock would go out of his way to acknowledge that match. You know, most people don't go out of their way to acknowledge uh, a loss. Right. And he was really proud to be part of it, thought it was a really important part in wrestling history. And, uh, you know, and then it's that uh, that rivalry set the stage for the stuff we did later as the Rock and Sock Connection. So... I don't think anyone left feeling like they'd been cheated in Worcester or across the nation and the world. When it aired on TV,
0: it really was an incredible night. And you wrote this in your book for years. I never believed this could happen. i had been respected by my peers and even idolized by certain fans as witnessed by the Foley as God signs that were gracing the Centrum in Worcester. I'd shed blood on five different continents and I'd taken part in what were arguably some of the finest matches ever seen still. I'd wrestled for 15 years with the knowledge that I didn't look like a star, let alone a champion. I'd learned to accept and even love my role as the lovable loser who somehow never wins the big one. And I can honestly say that before that day of December 29th, 1998, I never believed it would happen, but it had happened. And the reaction was heartwarming. I mean, this is like a dream come true. Like this is what you wanted when you're, That old footage that we saw on TV of you jumping off of a roof of a house. I mean, you envisioned being the WWF champion and now it's happened here just a few days after your favorite holiday. (laughs) I mean, this is, uh, this is a real Christmas miracle for, you no? Yeah.
1: Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Uh, the only downside is that when I finally did make it back, uh, to Boston, uh, that night, uh, the blue meanie was outside. Uh, there was no room at the inn that night, Conrad. And, uh, I had been counting on celebrating my victory with, uh, some late night room service, uh, and maybe, uh, a film with an adult theme.
0: Got it. Got it.
1: And instead, uh, one king size bed. It's me and the blue meanie as I lay awake uh, due to his snoring and farting. Uh, I could have picked a better way to end the (laughs) night, but I couldn't have picked a better night. It was really, really special.
0: That just feels like the most Mick Foley possible way to celebrate. Uh, (laughs) Blue meanie snores and farts. What a symphony. (laughs) What are
1: talking about? Uh, the, the film with a slightly adult,
0: <laughs> I just, I, by the way, one of my favorite moments of that night, it, obviously I love seeing you run around the ring and, and you're so excited and DX has you on your shoulders, but yeah. when you grab the mic, it's almost like your Rocky moment, you know, is, at, at yeah. the risk of not sounding cool. I want to dedicate this belt to my two little people at home, Dewey and Noel daddy. did it. Was that something that was. Man, I hate to use this phrase. Was that in the script or are you just sort of freestyling and riffing here?
1: Yeah, definitely freestyling. And it should be said that right after the victory, uh, hundreds of thousands of people turned back to Nitro. I think the ratings bore that out, which meant they had a show people wanted to see. Um, And they just, you know, didn't play that hand uh, too well. Um, No, that was me just emoting. Uh, and my, I did not tell my children, Dewey and Noel, just had the two at the time that I won the title. And so they were watching. Monday night was the only night that they could stay up that late. And uh, we were in a central time zone, lived in the Florida Panhandle, which is, as you know, Conrad, that's central time zone. Yep. And so it was only 10 o'clock. And they were so excited. I broke out the the winged eagle title belt. And they were running around like it was just a joyous experience uh, for, for the Foley family. Um, wasn't until uh, I watched the WCW replay when the kids were asleep that I heard the butts and seats and it hurt. It genuinely, genuinely hurt. And it hurt a lot, uh, especially given that i would never been on the upper end of that WCW pay scale, you know, not even close to it. I worked hard. I. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it just it didn't feel right. But in retrospect, when the when the tale of the uh, uh, ratings was told, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. So I got over that hurt pretty quickly and recognized what had happened as being, uh, you know, a game changer. And I'll go so far as say a life changer as well.
0: I do want to talk about the butts on seats comment, but before we do, I want to mention that the WWE website, and I think this is sort of glossed over in hindsight, they actually talked about ahead of time that the title changed and that it's going to air. So they thought for sure, Hey, it's a taped show. WCW's loading up the other show. Let's let our fans know that a title change happened, hoping they'll tune in. Now, clearly they did. Meltzer would be critical of the match saying, aside from the Spanish enab- announced table spot, it was ah, nothing special. Tell me, don't tell me. Uh, hang on. But he says uh-huh. the post-match celebration was tremendous. Okay. Uh, so he's very, very complimentary, but I, I do want to mention the Austin thing. Cause this jumped off the page to me. That wasn't the planned finish since Austin originally wasn't even scheduled to be at TV, but when he flew in for the super bowl commercial taping, they asked him to be involved in the title match finish. I think that's amazing that that wasn't even the original plan. So, the biggest pop in WWE history wasn't even a plan. It just sort of happened that way. Did you know that?
1: I did not. You know, if I did, I forgot it. And uh, I guess, you know, we did tape that Super Bowl commercial. That was the one they did in house that uh, was so highly regarded. Right? Yes. So, yes. Um, yeah. And I guess. That was a further indication that WWE was, you know, considered me a top guy because they only had what? Five, six
0: people? Yeah.
1: Undertaker, Steve, Triple H, Kane, me. Was there anyone else in that one?
0: The Rock, I think, but that's it.
1: And The Rock. Oh, yeah, sorry. The Rock. So there's just the six of us. So I think it was already in the, you know, I was firmly entrenched in a pretty good spot. But again, uh, uh, I consider that to be a game changer and a life changer.
0: Uh, was- again, I'm just gonna,
1: you know, I'm gonna go with the moments. Yes, out of the stars any day, twice on a taped Tuesday, uh, <laughs> because if-, <laughs> um, if the stars, man, you know, it's it, it reminds me of what Keith Richards said about guitar solos versus riffs. You know, like. Anyone can create a great... Well, first of all, I don't think anyone can, but his take was anyone can do a good solo, It's but the riffs live on forever. Those are the things people mention. So you can line up a great match from A to Z, and today with the athleticism that uh, the new generation has, it's possible for just about anyone to have a great match given the right time and opponent but that doesn't mean you're going to come up with great moments. So I'm going to take that moment over a great match any day and twice on a taped Tuesday.
0: Uh, Meltzer talked about the WCW debacle. He says during nitro on two occasions, the chimpanzees running WCW told Shivani to say that raw was taped and that Foley would be winning the title on the opposition show. So don't switch channels, but nitro was beyond awful. And he was telling people there's a world title change going to happen on the other channel who runs this circus. He also knocked Foley laughing about a company that would make him champ, which isn't going to help Shivani's rep with wrestling fans. Since Foley is so universally respected.
1: Wait, wait, knocked Foley or knocked Shivani.
0: Uh, Shivani was not Shivani was knocking you.
1: Okay. Gotcha.
0: WWF shot back when they heard what was being said since even though the show was taped, The commentary is done live and they said they weren't going to present a main event that starts two minutes before the show goes off the air and consists of nothing but walking and talking. And Meltzer would say with the WWF doing everything to get the word out about its title change and WCW doing them a favor to make sure the ratings gap would be as much as possible by announcing the change as well. Raw set its all time record, a 5.76 rating. Even beating marks said on nights that Nitro was preempted for basketball and went unopposed. Nitro did a 4.96. And how about this? The biggest advantage as crazy as this sounds was a 6.2 for road dog versus Al snow in a hardcore title match. That was heads up with DDP and Brian Adams, which did a 4.1, but here's why that's immediately after Eric Bischoff ordered Tony Schiavone to give away the title change and <laughs> emphasize it. So it led to approximately 375,000 homes switching the channel from nitro to raw, which is obviously the exact opposite of what they expected, man. What a great moment. This is in your career. You're beating the rock. Who's the biggest movie star in the world. You've got DX, arguably the hottest act in wrestling at the time running around the ring. Here comes the surprise run in with the biggest pop of all time. And on the other channel, what's your beating? It's Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash and Goldberg. This is a high watermark for the Monday night wars for wrestling and for your career, right? This is magic.
1: Yeah, it sure is. And I want to mention that, uh, uh, Michael Cole was, he was really good on the call. Um, he was really in the zone. I would have loved to have heard what Jr would have done with that. But yeah. That doesn't take away from the call. The fact that Cole put a lot, he did, he put a lot of work into it. And he delivered and it was, uh, he really added to the moment. So thank you, Michael. Uh, I just, I, yeah, it was, it was, it was big. It was, it was, it was really good. It was really perfect except for the blue meaning, uh, the farts. Yeah. And the noises, the,
0: you know, the what fart. was worse? The, the snoring or the farting? Could you, I mean, you could sleep through the farting, right?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. Let me just, let me stretch for a second. Oh, 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 there's
0: oh. the blue mini right there. <coughs> there you go. It's the minions fart blaster. There as it sh- as it should be, as it should be. Uh, listen, this is a phenomenal moment in your career. You've had so many great moments in your career. Where does this one rank?
1: Man, top in career
0: wise. Career wise, like we know that king of the ring and going off the sales, what everyone knows you for the most, but just yeah. like in terms of, if you said, man, I want to go relive one moment, one more time. That was the, that was the high watermark. That's where I had the most fun. That was the most special. Where does this one rank?
1: Say the top three for me, uh, I guess four, four would be the way I felt. I think if four and three in no particular order would be, uh, the way I felt after both the Shawn Michaels mind games and the Randy Orton backlash matches. And then um, two and one in no particular order, uh, the title win and being inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame at the Garden with uh, my family in attendance. So I think those were the top two moments, the ones I look back on with the most uh, absolute pride. And, you know, I also throw a fifth one in there, Terry Funk and I and that little uh, tiny crowd in the first uh, no rope barbed wire singles match I'd ever done because of the lengths we went to. That's the match I'm proudest of, the lengths we went to to put that little promotion on the map. So those are my top five moments. So, uh, yeah, I would say it's, uh, you know, top three for sure.
0: And, uh, the rumor and innuendo is you were really shocked because the next time you had some travel booked, you had a first class seat because you were the world champ. Is that right?
1: <laughs> yeah. I asked Xbox, keep in mind that I've been traveling for a long time and I'd had Y fares. Why fares were the ones you could easily change. These are the days of the paper tickets where you'd be given a stack of them at the beginning of the month or sometime during the month for the next 30 days. Y fair was great because you could change it, B fairs, you know, all these different fairs. And I asked Sean Walton, I said, what's an F fair? He said, that's that's first class. And I was like, I think they made some kind of mistake. And he was like, Nick, you're, you're the champion. The champion flies first class. And then as we know, you know, my two, my three title reigns were all, you know, very short, some shorter than others. And uh, when I lost that title and those Fs kept coming, I'd been told I was grandfathered in um, and really, really grateful for it because, you know, I mean, I was a big guy and I was in, you know, quite a bit of pain uh, on a regular basis. There were times because I flew Delta, you know, every single week out of uh, Pensacola that I'd get bumped up during due, due to my status. But there'd be other times where I'd been. 26 B, you know, in a middle seat going cross country. So that, that changed. Uh, yeah, that was really, yeah, that was, that was a nice, uh, that was a nice little bonus there that I wasn't aware even
0: existed. All right. Let's be honest. Do you hate feeling miserable the day after the drinks? I feel like maybe you've been thrown off the hell in a cell same. Well, luckily a game-changing product called Xebiotics is here to help zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic how about that it was invented by phd scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking and here's how it works when you drink alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut it's this byproduct not dehydration that's to blame for your rough next day zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it most. So drink Zobionics before drinking, drink responsibly, and enjoy the night with confidence. And I got to admit, I wasn't too sure about this the first time I heard about it, but then I tried it with my pal Eric Bischoff several years ago now at a podcast movement. We had had a great day meeting with agencies, but then we wanted to celebrate. Uh, We also had to be on stage the next morning to present at like 8 a.m., well, we both enjoyed a bottle of z before our first drink. And we were shocked at how great we felt the next day we were bright eyed and bushy tailed. We could really tell a difference. It makes such a difference. The next day I make sure I always have z before drinking, even after drinks the night before I know I'll be able to hit the ground running, whether it's with a podcast or doing mortgages, or maybe if I got to hit the old dusty trail for a road trip with the wife z makes it all possible. I can't recommend this enough. I want you to try it. Uh, if you've listened to this show long enough, you know that I'm a big fan of the old vodka waters. Well, dude, z Biotics is what I do before the vodka waters. I'm 100% convinced that z actually works. And I want you to try it, especially right here during the holiday season. Savor the moment. Let z do the rest. Go right now to zbiotics.com mick to get 15% off your first order when you use mick at checkout zbiotics is backed with a 100% money back guarantee so if you're unsatisfied for any reason they'll refund your money no questions asked remember head to zbiotics.com slash mick and use the code mick for 15% off and we want to thank you zbiotics for sponsoring today's episode and the good times we might have tonight yeah Well, what does exist is you are back on the road as folks are listening to this. We hope you had a fabulous Thanksgiving, but there's still time for you to go see my man in South Greer, South Carolina later today at the toy Federation tomorrow. He will be at time tunnel comics over in Hickory, North Carolina. And on the 26th, nerd bombers, here we come in Greensboro tickets are on sale. Now you can go see him, see the full schedule at real That's also where you can get a link to do a cameo which is a perfect present, whether it's Christmas or not, you've got more than 5,000 five-star reviews on cameo more than anybody else in the category. Check it out right now. It's cameo.com forward slash Mick Foley. Uh, Mick. and I
1: tell you, uh, yesterday as a father, I could see my stature growing in my son, Mickey's eyes when a request came in for Corey Taylor's birthday. Corey Taylor. Slipknot. <laughs> he, he accused... Slipknot. Uh, so yeah, yeah, uh, it's really cool uh, to do that for Corey, but uh, I go all out for all of them. This is a question I have for you guys, all right? I'm going to put it out there for the holidays. You know, my, the price is fairly steep. It's $149. I think it's pretty good given all that I put into it. Do you think I should have like a two-tiered pricing system? So maybe... A, a more you know like a more straightforward 1 to 2 minute video along the likes of what other guys do other men and women uh do uh the 1 to 2 minute range and then do the second option the 24 hour option which is going to be in that 4 minute range for the 149 is that something you think people would be interested in or is that convoluted
0: No I do think people would be interested in it but we got to have fun with what we're going to name the tiers do you have ideas okay. for the names of the tiers
1: not yet. Uh you're you're pretty mm. good at that, right? What do you think? So, should uh,
0: should the lower tier be um the job squad tier, the half ass tier, the owl snow tier. What should the curtain jerker tier? I don't know. Main <laughs> event tier.
1: It's not gonna be half ass, though. Know, I guess I'm allowed to say that word. Um, because I will put everything I have into those one or two minutes, but you won't get the multiple characters, the collection of songs and people might be like, good, I don't really need that. What I want is something that's going to make people smile. And when you look at the re you know, the reviews for some of the people who do the more basic things, people are thrilled with them. They're like, yes. wow, he over, he outperformed expectations. And I'm like, really? Like, not that I quote Miz that often, but really, really, you know, Uh, But I think most people would be happy with the shorter one because the truth is around Christmas time, uh, especially a couple of a few years ago during the pandemic, it was like a full-time job. You know, it was a six, seven hour a day thing. And uh, I kind of envy the guys, you know, uh, not knocking James Buckley, who's a British uh, actor who does 25 of these things a day. And they're funny, but he hits four catchphrases and boom. You know, uh, he's done and people are really happy with it. Yeah. And so, I'm, you know, I can hit my catchphrases, throw in a little dude or mankind. Oh, without I got the it. and I think most people will be, uh, pretty happy. So, uh,
0: let's do I it. Here, here's what call you call do. Call the first one. Cheap pop.
1: Yeah. There you go. The cheap pop.
0: Yeah. Cheap right, pop. Yeah, I love it. And then, the, and pop. then there's the other one is the three faces of Foley. So cheap pop and three faces of Foley coming your way in time for the holiday <laughs> season, Conrad.
1: uh, cactus, Jack. The mankind and of dude are easy characters to characterize. Cactus is just an old guy with a wig. Uh, Two and a half maybe, faces of Foley. <laughs> whatever maybe it is, I'll, it's the championship. The, it, we'll work on it. But I do like uh, the cheap pop for uh, ninety nine. And then if you want to go a little further, I'll co- we'll come up uh, the three of us. By the way, just want you to know with the holidays approaching, uh, uh, Conrad, you and Grillo, uh, Dave Silva are not forgotten. There's a great Johnny Cash song called uh, The Christmas Guest, which I suggest people should listen to. It really strikes into the very heart of Christmas, it gets to the very heart of Christmas, and it's about a guy named Conrad. Wow. Awaiting uh, a special Christmas guest. And so while we were driving our 20 hours from the uh, mountains of New Hampshire back down south. Uh, Mickey, my son Mickey, was making up lines about Conrad and Dave Silva. (laughs) (laughs) So it's Johnny Cash, the Christmas guest. What uh, I'll just a quick story about a guy showing up at my house unannounced, uh, who, who had fallen on hard times, you know, and uh. My family wanted me to, you know, throw the guy off the <laughs> off the stoop and call the police. And instead, I I gave him some money and a, a few zone bars and had a little talking to him about how that's maybe not the best way to go about, you know, uh, you know, your you're dealing with your issues, and especially Dewey was like, Dad, why'd you do that? I think Huey, my youngest, was like that too, and I was like. You need to listen to The Christmas Guest by Johnny Cash. So uh I believe, uh a listen to that. Uh even if you don't make up your own words about Conrad and Dave Silva <laughs> will put you in the spirit of Christmas and uh you know uh, examine this the reason for the season.
0: There you go. I love it. I hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you'll go see Mick this weekend. Be sure to check out ringside Get your pre-order in for that brand new Three Faces of Foley. And don't forget, next Wednesday it's a once-a-year opportunity—an autographed sacco just in time for Christmas. It will arrive in time for Christmas. You want to place that order on November 29th or November 30th over at ProWrestlingTease.com. But man, cameos never go out of style, and now they might be more affordable. Come on, get the cheap pop over at Cameo.com forward slash Mick Foley. Mick, hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving, and can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thanks so much, and have a nice day. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little more about what adfreeshows.com is all about. Get early ad-free access to more than a dozen of your favorite wrestling podcasts every single week, starting at just nine bucks. That's less than 20 cents an episode each month. And yes, you can listen to them all directly through Apple Podcasts or your regular podcast app. How easy is that? Ad Free Shows also has thousands of hours worth of bonus content and docu-series like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and The Insiders, plus new series like The Book with David Crockett, Monday Mailbags with Mike Kyoto and Nick Patrick, and a whole lot more. And you want to talk about early, you can't get any earlier than listening to the shows live. You can be a part of the live studio audience as we record the podcast. Plus ride shotgun alongside your favorite childhood heroes for live watch alongs, Q and A's and other interactive experiences every single month. Come on now, see for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans from around the world have discovered that adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Check it out today. And Hey, when you do the first week is completely free adfreeshows.com.